This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hi, I'm Mike Mowry, president of Outer Loop Management. My team and I have been helping our musicians release their albums and EPs to get the biggest first week sales possible. And our strategies work. We consistently get first week debuts on the billboard charts, leading to greater opportunities for my clients. Great tours, great media coverage, and great industry attention. And for the first time ever, I'm going to show you how I do it. Go to OuterLoopCoaching.com to learn more and register now for Release It Right, my online webinar on July 22nd, or Unleash It Right on July 22nd, as well as July 29th. Put in the code METALSUCKSPOD5, all caps and all one word, and I will give you $5 off the price of either webinar, and I will give another $5 to this podcast. So you'll be supporting this show while supporting your career. Again, go to OuterLoopCoaching.com and use the code METALSUCKSPOD5 to get $5 off. Either release it right on July 22nd or unleash it right on July 22nd and 29th. Peace. Metal Sucks presents Heroes of Metal. Today, we salute you, Mr. Guy Who Carved Slayer into His Arms. Mr. Guy Who Carved Slayer into His Arms! Without you, we wouldn't know how to show our undying allegiance to a group of guys we will probably never have any personal contact with. Carrie King, don't do no meet and greets! What could possibly be more metal than taking a razor and permanently scarring your skin with it? I hope you got a tetanus shot. You're a lot older now, and we're assuming that you have children that aren't cutting themselves from metal but they are instead cutting themselves for attention but how can you tell them to stop i cut myself so i could feel you could have just bought a t-shirt but icons take it to another level my bloody wrist are famous so here's to you mr guy who carves slayer into his arms mr guy who carves slayer into his arms This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your host, Brandon Hahn and Petter Spych. Feels good. Yeah, it does. Feels good. <laughs> Always. What's going on, guys? Metal Sucks Podcast back again. I'm one of the hosts, Brandon Hahn, and the other host is right here next to me. Petter Spych here. What's going on? What's up, man? We are interviewing uh, OJ from Byzantine today. So, uh, yeah. How was your week, man? It was good, dude. It yeah. was good. What'd you, do, what'd you do last night, man? That's funny you should ask, Pete. Yes. That's so funny you should ask. It's not like we discussed this at all no. before we started the not show. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, for the first time, I saw... Uh, so last night in Vegas, I saw Stone Sour, which, dude, yeah. Corey owns it, dude. He owns it. And then Corn was pretty good. I'll give Corn some credit. Uh, and then, but dude, then Rammstein or Rammstein. We say it wrong. Yeah, Rammstein. Keep getting yelled at. Rammstein. Rammstein. Anyway, dude, that was a, the. I will say this, and I'm not even gonna bat an eye. Best show I've ever seen. Damn. I, best show I have ever seen. Those ever. guys. It was. They knew where to be. Their their whole their whole show is you know choreographed. It seems like, and it's like they just know where to be. Like during every song, you know, like everybody just knows their spot and it's just it's just a well-oiled machine, dude. Those guys are unbelievable and that, that, setting shit on fire. That's know, all it takes for you. That's though. all it is, dude. Just <laughs> set some people on fire. That's it. Dude, they had like flamethrowers kind of coming out of their guitars. They had a face mask that was a flamethrower. Like it was just chaos, dude. It was awesome. Dude, that sounds awesome. I've seen them live back in the day three, three, four times, but I never saw them at their uh, arena selling capacity mm-hmm. like you did last night. Well, so um, they always did what they could on the, on the smaller stages that I saw out here in, in the States, but like I never seen them do their uh, – the last, I think, five or six years, they just come through maybe four or five times, like four or five arena shows, right? I think it's even less than that. It's probably like three or four. And like, so everybody it. goes, and they just fucking bring it. So. And they brought it. Wow. It was just, it was unreal. And I'm trying to think of a show that was in second place. There isn't any. There's not even a second place I could even think of. I, I could jump to like a fourth place, you know, that might. We're talking, you've seen Guns N' Roses. I've AC, seen Guns N' Roses. You've seen all the arena acts, because yeah. that's what we're in comparison to. We don't compare right. Rammstein to, a, you know, a, a band at a, a House of Blues or something. Right, You right. have to compare them to the arenas. I would say, like, 
I'm trying to think of bands where I walked away going, dude, yes. Slipknot was really good. First time I saw them, I was like, Jesus, these guys are all Maiden. Or- Maiden, the very first time I saw them, I couldn't believe Bruce Dickinson's energy. Mm. You know, but when you compare what Maiden was doing, where, you know, they got a guy that dresses up like Eddie and they cut his head off or what? Oh, Guar. Guar okay, Guar's second place. Guar's not an arena band. Guar's not an arena band, but Guar's probably. Rammstein and Guar. So you're Rob, very Rammstein much you're Guar. very much into the visual aspect and not the musical aspect. I'm assuming then, because you well, just mentioned two bands that are pretty much, like I said, just visual kind of almost theater bands. Well, the the difference with Rammstein is like they. It's a theater band. It's a theater band, and it's not like their songs are overly complicated. Like anybody who can pick up a guitar can learn how to play a Rammstein song. Is it Rammstein or Rammstein? Rammstein, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah, you messed me up. I I double checked it before the show, so we're not. Yeah, but you double checked it. I like. I said antithesis last week instead of antithesis. Yeah, I know. I fucking a man. I'm just saying. Like, so I'm trying to get away from us completely fucking saying the wrong thing. (laughs) That just sounds like a great band name. Antithesis. I know. Yeah. So I keep. I keep fucking. you know, saying shit wrong instead of you. So we're. Tr- I'm trying right. to get. We're trying. Be we're trying to get better. We're but you know to what? Things right. Look, I'm sorry. Like, there's a pronounce- lot. Of, there's a lot of Latin words in metal. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's very difficult. Not saying antithesis is a Latin word. Antithesis. Rammstein is a German word. So, anyways, right. continue. But dude, theatrical bands are all about the theatrical bands. But the, it, there's just something about everybody being on the same page. Not just every band member. Like when you saw Corn. You know, all those guys, they had their own little thing. You know, they, they were just a bunch of individuals. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, it's a, and it's a fine line between watching a bunch of individuals just rock out. And then when you see a band like Rammstein, like, where they go out there and, and they just, and it's just, like I just said, well-oiled machine. Everybody knows their spot. Everybody knows where they have to be. Everybody knows where they're sta- they have to stand. And they pull it off like... I mean, it, it was unreal. I missed this show because I, I went to uh, an evening with Mel Brooks yeah. instead. See, and I'll tell you right now, although Mel, an evening with Mel Brooks, he's 91 years old, isn't a Rammstein show. You're right. I left thinking I saw something extremely special. Well, <laughs> so when you're like, Rammstein, I'm like, wait a second, dude, Mel Brooks, right? You're, you're <laughs> totally right. And I can't fault you for that because I would have loved to see that. Yeah. I think Mel Brooks is such an amazing, like... And do that that show. Like I said, he was he's ninety one, so he was only there for an hour. Right. Um, it was at the Wynn Casino, but it was uh, yeah, dude. I walked away. And he's away. still fat. He's still he's quick as still a whip, dude. Quick, dude. His memory's like a hawk. Yeah. So it's like just after I talk to you, I'm like, I want to talk about Mel Brooks. You're like, I want to talk about Ramstein. I'm like, you're more metal than me today. I am. <laughs> I'm out meddling you. <laughs> you totally are. I, I am. But yeah, well, Mel Brooks, dude, he's Mel Brooks. So it's like I can only imagine like the stories that he told. Did you have any good ones that you amazing ones? I don't yeah. want to ruin his act. I don't know. I don't think he's torn across the country or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But anybody has, has a chance, like you said, anybody has a chance to see Ramstein, you just see, see him. Anybody has a chance to see an evening with Mel Brooks before he uh, favorite Mel Brooks movie go. That's got to be Blazing Saddles, gotta be Blazing man. Saddles. If you said Blazing Saddles, I, I would I really, quit this podcast. Right? I, if you I, said anything else than Blazing Saddles. I really Saddles. think that, uh, well, no, I think Young Frankenstein's up there, too. But the point is, I really think that Mel Brooks films, if we may get off a topic for a second here, they do go from, OJ is coming up, by the way. Don't, don't you guys tune out yet. <laughs> but I think he's got great, and then he's got, like, really mediocre bad. Like, High Anxiety is really mediocre to me. Dracula Den Love It, really mediocre. Then you got, like, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein, the producers, like, that are, like, Epic good. So. Well, yeah, and then he history, really of the, a, history of the World and Spaceballs, uh, Spaceballs is, a, yeah. is an excellent one. Robin Hood, Men in Tights is funny. Oh, like, great, too. All these. So, you know, I mean, there's just so many one-liners that you could think of, too. Yeah. And every single one of those movies. Put on the Ritz, dude. dude. It's great. No, no doubt. No, it was, it was fantastic. That's why it's like, uh, like you said, Rammstein. Oh, at the arena. Like, I haven't seen them since probably 2003, man. Where did you see them? I saw them at the House of Blues. That's they came not out an here. arena, yeah. No, I know. They came out here uh, headlined. I saw them actually in two arenas. They were opening. One was for, uh, it's like System of a Down, Slipknot, and Ramstein, like 2001. And then I saw them a, a second time. Then I saw them at the House of Blues twice. But they still try to use all their fucking gadgets in this small area. It was an amazing show. But I never saw them on, like... And then when I saw them on, I want to say one of them was the Family Value Store. Uh, when I saw them on that, they had like an arena, but I don't think they're at that level yet. So they were doing cool things, but mm-hmm. they weren't like, you know, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't what they, it seems like now. When, when they were touring with the Family Values Tour, uh, I mean, did they close it out? No, man. They were, they were so, still like, I think it was like, if I remember correctly. Could you imagine going on It was that? Ice Cube that followed them? Yes. Like, well, the first one I saw, it was like Corn. 
or maybe it was corn ice cube limp biscuit Rammstein, something like that, dude. Yeah. It, was, it was some weird lineup like that. And could like you origin. imagine? Could yeah. you imagine having the follow Rammstein? <laughs> like, fucking, like, dude, they're setting themselves on fire. What the fuck am I gonna do with that? Yeah. I mean, what's Ice Cube gonna do, really? Like, throw his hands <laughs> in the air, wave them like you just don't care? Yeah, I just topped these German psychopaths, dude. All I know is Ice Cube. He fucking stole that goddamn show by far. Like, do you, I don't, I don't know, man. He had a big, he had a big old set where he had a, the DJ on top of a hat, and then uh, it was just him. And then he had another rapper with him. I I'm sorry, I don't know rappers, but I think it was like uh, I can't imagine it. Every, every, but dude, every song he sang was. I mean, he did all the NWA hits. He did everything. Mm-hmm. And like when when he was done, like I said, he was followed up by like Limp Biscuit or something. It was they were awful. And then. Okay, I don't want to say they were awful, but I mean they definitely had high energy, but they weren't my type of thing. And then Corn, mm-hmm. I mean I've seen Corn quite a few times, and they've they're an all right show. That's the best I'll get. Yeah, they're good. They're good. I mean, but they're I mean, dude, they're all right. You know, I've yeah. seen other bands that I don't like that I'm like, all right, these guys can bring it. Like I saw Godsmack, I think they they can bring it. You know, but then bands like Stained and Corn, they're not that good live, dude. No, to me. They're not Stained, that good. Uh, I Rob remember- Zombie, dude, I love Rob Zombie. I love his movies to death, dude. I love his show, but like. Not that good live, dude. You didn't think Rob Zombie was good live? Nah. I, I dug it. Manson too, man. Manson, I, I think. Never, I never. I, the the first few years I saw Manson, I want to say from like ninety eight to two thousand one, he was impressive. But I think the last ten years I've seen him. See, I seen him in two thousand one, and it was like wow. Yeah, it was like next level good. But I think the last ten years, like I really think his show has really gone down. Well, dude, he's been doing the same shit forever. I mean, like oh, you know, he's hey, dressing Ram- up like so the is Pope. Ramstein. Oh, or, he's, sta- he's so is Ramstein. Yeah, yeah right. Well, okay, there's a fine same line. There's a fine line between what, between what Marilyn Manson did for shock value. Back in 2001 when it was shocking, oh, oh, he's setting the Bible on fire. Oh, now when he does it, you're like, dude, who gives a shit? You know, like, or, or, when he, or when he had that giant platform that he would walk up to yeah. and do that. I mean, it was cool. And again, back in 2001, it was cool. He sold it more. And then when you keep doing the same shit, you keep buying in. All he's done is just buying to his own shit. That's all it is now. No, I, like I said, a lot, a lot of times, it, like the icons, the Mansons, the Phil Anselmos, like, you know, they they become caricatures of their former selves. Exactly. And it's like you see them live and it's more like giggles. You know what well, I'm saying? Well, now what And it then is- there's guys that are like, that, that just own it every time. Like, I don't think, I don't know how many times I've seen like Mike Patton is a good example, right? Mm-hmm. And he's amazing. No caricature at all. He's just always bringing the same style, the same energy, the same whatever. Although he's been doing it 30 years. Yeah. You know? Manson doesn't do that anymore mm-hmm. at all. Mm-mm. Like before... You know, again, when he was younger, like, you know, back in 2001, he would go out there. He would uh, he'd be wearing those uh, fishnet stockings. But and you, you just know, brought up Dickinson. He, he's Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden. He's still absolutely on top. Absolutely. Like he still knows exactly what he's got to do. Like I said, I think they care more about the audience than the 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 corns. Oh, absolutely. The Dude, I think those guys are just shit about. His yeah, audience, I think those guys don't care. really care as much where it's like Bruce Dickinson's like, no, I need to I need to look fucking great. Right. Or I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Same with Patton, I think, you know, and a lot of these guys I'm mentioning. So. Corey Taylor, you know, hey, Corey goes he, out there he and brings owns it. it yeah, I know. He, There's not a bad thing I'll say there, about there, his that performance guy, ever. That guy I've never, seen him many times. Yeah. Dude, that guy never stops. Yeah. He never stops. It's just constant. It's constant motion. Yeah, like I, even last night, like the, at Stone Sour, that, you know, those, uh, those inflatable things that you see in, uh, in front of like car dealerships? Yeah. They had like it was kind of funny. The one like had, D dances on its yes, Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah they had yeah. like they had like six of them like on the Stone Sour set, and it was just funny because Corey like grabs one and makes it headbang and shit. It was funny, dude. It was like he, he, they know what to do, dude. That's, he knows what to do. Hey, that sounds good, man. So speaking of funny, all right, yes, one of, one of uh, our favorite stories this week. We even attempted to do a bit and failed. Oh yeah, yeah, but we can't. We came back with the with the one we did with the Slayer one. But anyways, the. Uh, Andy Williams from Every Time I Die, definitely one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, they were touring back in the day with Maylene and the Sons of Disaster, a band I love, dude. I love all four of their records. Um, and uh, he told a story while having his, uh, there was like, it was a very odd, awkward thing. If you saw the video, there's three dudes on the couch, they're all shirtless. And uh, Andy just keeps squeezing the guy's knee next to him yeah. while he's telling the story. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? <laughs> he just kept squeezing his knee, like in, in parts. And I'm like, it's adorable. But so, anyways. Um, they were on tour with uh, Maylene, Sons of Disaster. We're going back. They're both Ferret record bands, and I think he said they were on an Under Oath tour, So, because I was huge into the Ferret record bands back in the day. I loved all of them. Loved Zale, loved all of them. So, um, anyways, um, and uh, there was a, an altercation between a guy 
that is, I guess, a roadie for every time I die, and a member of Maylene and Sons of Disaster, but he doesn't mention who. And then the guy comes out of the van, shits in his hand. No, this is what happened. One, the guy, the roadie for every time I die, mm-hmm. left like a chicken. Like he left like a, a like one That's of those, right. a, he left a, like a chicken a, carcass. He left like a chicken carcass that he just got done eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it wasn't just like a dead chicken, but I mean, it's like yeah, it sounds bad, carcass. Yeah. yeah. But he but he just leaves a chicken on the on the hood of of the car, and that's all he did. The hood. That's it. Keep in mind, yeah. And then the guy from the van. and the guy from Maylene comes out, and he he just <laughs> shits at his hand and throws it at, at at every time I die's van, but it's right next to the vent, so all the shit goes in there, and there's just there's just shit smell just blowing right into the truck or right into their van, like oh dude. There's, I mean, there's a line you just don't cross. Just think about the motions you have to do to shit in your own hand. Yes. First off, you got to be able to take a shit. I mean, within seconds, on the spot shit. Like, I got to pump this out right away, which is yeah, easy what, to do. Yeah, like, I can't shit on command. Yeah, like, you have to be an X-Man to do something like that, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> or, or it's like, I got a mutant power. I could just squeeze one out anytime I want. So, first it's off. defense mechanism. You got to be there. You got to be right? part skunk. Right. Is there some sort of like I don't want to you know say anything like like that I don't know what I'm talking about but is it like is there some sort of drugs that make you shit on command? No, Pete. I, Jesus just, Christ, like are you serious? No, okay. no, mean, that like, doesn't like, make you shit on command. That just you just take the X lax and then all of a sudden and then it just explodes and then it's but just an you explosion. Can't time it. There isn't a shit timer. Yeah, no, you're not going to take an X lax and then you're just going to go. All right, start the clock and then it just goes down for three minutes or something. It doesn't work like that. Gotcha. So so there is nothing. To make you shit. It's like, I'm, in my mind, I'm like, he had to have planned that he was going to throw shit at somebody. He had to. My thing is, is maybe he had a moment. This, maybe had he this. was like, this is this is how I think it happens. OK, the, you know, the guy, the guy from Maylene just kind of sits in his, you know, I'm just going to use the abbreviated term. I'm not going to say the whole fucking name of the band, but it's like he's going to. No, Maylene's fine. Yeah. yeah. So he's uh, he's sitting in the band. He sees the guy drop the chicken carcass on on the hood of the car. But like five seconds before that, he's like, oh, guys, excuse me. I got to take a shit. And then he sees the chicken thing and he's like, motherfucker. And then rage mixed with the need to shit kicked into overdrive. He couldn't help himself. Instinct kicked in, proving once again that we evolve from apes. Timing is everything. Yes. Yes. Um, that's actually a good assessment. I think what you did there. But like maybe he was prairie dogging. And right when he was prairie dogging, the rage kicked to- in. And then we've all done things out of anger that we regret oh uh, yes we have uh-huh now i don't know if this guy regrets it because he's he's being talked about on the greatest podcast of all time so <laughs> we're giving him pl- we're giving we're plugging him you know <laughs> so you're a legend whoever the fuck you are well I, I, there's guesses dude i you know my guess is dallas but i like i said that's just my guess. i, I don't know no, too many dallases that are that, that are, are sane, of, yeah that are, sa- that are, that are sane, sane. Yeah. yeah i mean that's like like when you name I your kid Dallas or yeah. Maverick or something like that. Or like, Briscoe. Or Briscoe. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying that guy's probably going to grow up and, you know, do some Rammstein type shit, you know, come up with some ideas. But also you got the, the, the second thought process that came into my head after I heard this story is that you've had to have practiced this. There's no way someone just knows how to shit in their hand and throw it, right? Do you think it would be like a practice? Because you don't know what kind of shit's coming out. Well, I'm just... Well, this that, show's definitely turning for the gross, but that's exactly. not on us. The story I'm just saying, like, if you're going to practice us. shitting in your hand and throwing it, like, I, for some reason, I just have that obstacle course that they make cops go through. Yeah. Where they come, you know, like, oh, there's a, there's a woman holding a baby. Don't hit that with a turd, but oh, get the guy with the gun, you know? Like, I was thinking, like, an archery course. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Like, like, the yeah. So. Yeah. But you just think it was just a sure moment of anger and timing. I think, was I think it was a, I think it was rage and timing. But again, how do you get that fucking pissed? Now I can understand if it were just if it were a chicken carcass by itself. But something tells me it was in plastic or something, right? I, I mean, why would you just leave that on the hood of someone's van? That's not a big deal, is it? It's not. It's not worth throwing a turd at someone for. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I definitely think like you know you have to have two your, wrongs don't make it right. That's why we always get in trouble because I always take it to the next level. D- yeah, this you, guy, this guy's definitely the two wrongs don't make it right. Well, that's so. what I'm getting. At. Like, like you have to have your dick in my wife for me to contemplate throwing a turd at you. Like that, that's a new level of rage. And I also feel like, okay, why don't you just go shit on the van? This is the kind of guy that like punches a McDonald's employee if they put something on his burger that he asked him to take off. Is there you know? pickles on here? Yeah, there's is, pickles on here. Is there? Come here. <laughs> yeah, bam. There you go. <laughs> right. Take that. Take that. I just shit pink slime at you. 
<laughs> it's an amazing tale. And then, and then the best part of the tale is like when they're, the, the Andy Williams goes, you guys definitely go to metalsucks.net and look this up. Okay. He goes into detail of like the guy's like, what do you – like he's, he's like, how do you react to this? And the guy's like, you beat him to like an inch of his life? <laughs> yes. And I'm like, that's the man reaction. Oh, dude, if somebody throws shit at my, at my car and now all of a sudden it's blowing into my vehicle. Yeah. Do you think the cops would be like, we get it? It's yes. cool you beat him up? Yes. <laughs> it's one of those. They would go, look, we understand that you caved this young man's face in, um, but his family forgives you. And we're just going to give you a little slap on the wrist. Just sign this clause to never mention that you saw him shit in his hand and throw it at you. <laughs> yeah, no. some sort of... It would just be like the cops would go, look, he shit in his hand, he threw it at you. We understand that this obviously elicits a reaction. So we're not going to fault you for putting a cue ball in a sock and beating him with it. Like, there's just no way. There's no way, yeah. And, then, mean, like, and then the rest of the tour, like the silent treatment is an understatement. Oh, yeah. Like, that dude probably walked up trying to talk to people. Hey, man, what's going on? They're like, dude, you, sh- you threw shit at yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. Like, do not talk to us anymore. Yeah, get out of here, brown phalanges. <laughs> Beat the fu- get the fuck out of here. Oh, dude, I could only imagine. Like, oh, dude, thinking about it, thinking about it. Like, I would, it would have to be, oh, dude, I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't even imagine, like, throwing a turd at someone. I just couldn't. I, no, dude, I, like I said, I couldn't even. I, I, like, I can imagine me... I'm going to shit on this guy's hood and like squatting. Yes. And being like, I'm going to take a dump on his hood, something gross like that. Yeah. You could just take a hose and blast that off. I but can not see in the that, air vents. But like in my own hand and then throwing it. Yes. Dude. Well, that's what I'm saying. First off, it's next level, bro. First off, I mean, unless you pulled your pants down and then just shit and just kind of cupped your hands like underneath your asshole, or did he just shit his pants and then reached in there? No, it, the, way, the way they made it sound, they made it sound like it was a. Uh, you know, he pretty much shit in his hand, like in a one motion and then threw it like a, you know, threw it. Dude, so. that's, I'm just saying, man, that's like to come at somebody with the doc holiday, you know, like just to be able to pull it off, like quick draw, quick draw pooping. I mean, that's, that's next level. That's yeah. next level. I'd lose that gunfight. Someone needs, <laughs> someone needs therapy. Speaking of therapy, last story we'll touch on before we get to our interview here. Um, these Jenner girls. They put their fate like, dude. I in my I mind, thought, I thought we were, I thought we were getting off shit. Uh, <laughs> in my mind, it's just like you gotta, you gotta somehow come to a point where you're like, how, like, how big is your head? Like, how, 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 what kind of like, like the Gene Simmons things when he's like, oh, I'm gonna trademark the devil horns. You're like, dude, there's not a moment in your mind that doesn't click. Like, what the fuck? Well, are tell you the talking people about? what they did. The Jenner girls, they took their faces. These are the younger ones, right? I don't know the Jenner people, bro. Uh, I, okay, I'm just saying. They're, they're, it said Kendall on okay. the website. Oh, so it's there's, the younger ones. The, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's the K and K or something oh, like so that. Oh, so the Jenners. So it's not the card. Okay, it's the Jenners. Jenners. Okay. Yeah. I know, dude. I, yeah, think, I, I, get I probably shouldn't have touched the story, but... Otherwise, we just got to talk about top 10 lists all week again. <laughs> How many? Stop with the top 10 lists, all right? We all love Sepultura, Black Sabbath, and Pantera. Moving on. And Iron Maiden. Anyway, so um, the, uh, they, they put their fucking faces over, like, iconic imageries, like Ozzy Osbourne. Mm-hmm. Or even, like, we can even go, like, over Tupac. And they're like, we're going to sell these shirts for $125. Where's your mindset that you think you can copy and paste an Instagram photo over a Metallica t-shirt? And sell it to people. Well, because those, first off, you got to understand. Like, I'm more upset about this than if someone threw shit on my van. Are you serious? No. Okay, I was about to say. (laughs) Now, if it was somebody else's van, then yeah, but not mine. Dude. Just imagine if you were, uh, just imagine being, like, I know Sharon Osbourne got upset, but just imagine being Ozzy. And these these little, I don't know how old they are, 20-year-old girls are like, we're going to put our face over this motherfucker and sell this t-shirt because we are, I don't know what the uh, iconic imagery here is, but it's like we are equal or better than Ozzy. Yeah. Is that what it is? I couldn't even imagine. No, you're not, first off. You're a stupid cunt, and your mom mom banged a, a fucking lawyer who got a murderer off you know, is, I, is, kept her, I, I think, kept I, I think that's the Kardashians. Are those generous? No, bro. Well, uh, you got the wrong person. No, but she wouldn't have met him. She wouldn't have. No, no. The mom banged the, the Kardashian. Oh, we, we really shouldn't have touched this. We don't know shit. No, you're right. Go I, back to just go back to the commented on the shirt. Yeah, we don't is, know no lineage. All I know <laughs> is, is, and I'm going to say this and, I, I'm, I, and I'm going to drop it. Those cunts have no business being famous at all, ever. They do nothing. They do nothing. They do nothing. Yet, for some reason, they're worshipped, and it's because there's too many people out here that do less than what they do. And they look at them, 
And they're like, oh, look at that extravagant lifestyle. And it's like, no, dude. Doing nothing and making money, though, is what is popular and what people love now. That's the thing. I know it's not what people love. No, it is. Think about it. No, it's what some people love. It's It's what what, stupid, worthless people love. It's what the majority seem to. That's why they're on top, though. Well, all I'm saying. Explain it to me if it's not. I don't want to throw. Here's the thing. I don't want to throw shit at one of the Jenners or the Kardashians. Okay. But I do want to throw shit on all of their fans. Anybody who paid one hundred and twenty-five dollars for one of those shirts, I deserve, I des- I reserve the right to just spray you with diarrhea. You are worthless. You're a worthless person, and you're and you're contributing to bad. You're contributing to bad behavior. I love your anger, dude. Well, I can't stand those cunts. I hate it. Uh, you the keep fact, saying you keep saying that the, the c fact, word, but yeah, the, the fact yeah. that they the fact that they didn't hit up Metallica or Ozzy or Tupac or whoever saying saying that you were on their level when you have contributed nothing to society. No, you 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 don't deserve anything. But where where do you not blame society for them being where they're at? No, that's I, where I'm at. Like you like you were saying, you want to spray diary on the people that put them where they're at. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. Yes. You would think that, like, I would think, and now I might be stupid here, but they're not musicians or anything like that. No. That's what I'm saying. No, they do nothing. You would think someone in this day and age of space bar music can just have this girl just say the same words, like, dance with me, and, like, remix it in a song and make them famous. The same shit happened with Parasol. Yeah, you would think. the same shit. And then they can at least be like, hey, but the point of the the fact of the matter is. They're not even doing that. They're they're too lazy to even uh, have uh, some DJ put something. That's the thing. It's like, look, you're good looking girls, and let's face it, they are. You know, I'm not going to say they're ugly. None of those girls are ugly, but just to, but if that's it, that's all you are is just, you got good bone structure. That's it. And now I'm just supposed to, it can take you to the top these days. Yeah. Well, I know it can. And that's what's sad about it. It, The fact of the matter is they have a big sister that made a porno and that's why they're famous because they're related to some chick. They got dug out by some rappers, you know, it's unreal. This, I mean, dude. Yeah, this is what we're living with. That's the one thing I was telling you about the Mel Brooks thing, and uh, we'll you know move on off that. But he did say some. They got to ask him questions, like write them down, and someone says like, uh, are, "Has everything in movies and music been done?" And he's like, "No, not at all. The only reason that um, everybody keeps saying that is because nobody pays for these things. Mm-hmm. They're free to them, and when things are free, you don't care about right, them. like a free Metal Sucks podcast. Well." <laughs> You guys are giving us good reviews on the iTunes, so they're giving us something back, you know. But the point is, is uh, yeah, that, and that's where it is, and that's why the rise of the Jenners that think they're as iconic as people like Ozzy, or they think they're as iconic as Tupac or whatever. Um, Look, are they, keep rising. Are they famous? Absolutely. I mean, is there? Can I think of a family that's more famous than them? No, but I just there's no reason for them to be famous. But they redefined. That's that's the one thing. Well, they, like, redefined- they redefined what famous means because a famous actor, a famous musician, a famous, they're not as famous. There is no uh, actor or musician that came up during their time period with these two that is as famous as them. So they redefine the meaning of what famous is and doing nothing and, you know, just having a camera follow you around if you're beautiful means your worth is more than someone who learned how to play an instrument yeah. or someone that went to an acting school or someone that... And that's, you know, it's just, it's yeah, just one of those worth, things. You're worth more than someone, just because you're good looking and you somehow manage to get a camera to follow you around, apparently in this society, that means you're worth more than somebody that actually gave something back to the community. And created something, yeah. yeah. So, all right, guys, that's going to move us into our interview. I had the pleasure of chanting with OJ from Byzantine. Um, and uh, their new record is The Cicada Tree. We talk about it in the interview. It's out July 28th. It is their first record on Metal Blade Records. Is it Cicada? Cicada. What'd you just do? Go ahead. No, uh, it's uh, Cicada. Okay. Don't do that to me. You fucking hate now. <laughs> I'm so with my pronunciations. God damn it. I hope I'm not wrong. Anyways, um, so it comes out July 28th, guys. Um, this is one of those bands that I think anybody that picks up any of their records will fall in love with them immediately. You can go back all the way to whichever one you want. I, I, I say a good starting point is, uh, you know, he'd probably say the first one, but I'd say Oblivion Beckons is definitely where I'd start. But, yeah. guys, this band. That's the antithesis. The <laughs> 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 All right, dude. Let's let's get into the interview with OJ, guys. Metal Sucks Podcast. It's Pete here. I am with uh, OJ Ojeda from Byzantine. Uh, we are here to talk about the new album, The Cicada Tree, which comes out July 28th on Metal Blade Records. How you doing, OJ? 
I'm doing well, Pete. How are you, man? I'm good, man. It's been a it's been a fantastic day. I'm out here uh, in Vegas, and it is hot. It is. Ah, a, rub it in. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I got to tell you, they got the warp tour going on right now, and uh, it's like 114 degrees out there. I I don't even know. I don't even know how. They oh do my it. god. So um. It. Yeah, it's uh, it's like 75 here and rainy. Uh, it's it's. I'll take this. This this isn't too bad. 114 sounds bad. Have you ever played a show like outdoors at like I don't know Arizona or out here in Vegas where it's just like too much? No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, we've uh, we've never played Vegas, never played Arizona, and it's never been too much. <laughs> that's that's I'm, uh, yeah. That's a lucky thing to say, though. So uh, back in the, I mean, you started your career. You guys were signed to Prosthetic Records. Uh, after a short break, mm-hmm. you came back strong. Decided to self-release, do it the DIY way. Um, those are two excellent records. And now you have decided to sign with the Mighty Metal Blade. Uh, wh- what made you decide yes. to come back to the label? Uh, when Brian Slagle showed up to a show yeah. and asked us uh, and gave me one of his cards that said Metal Blade, Brian Slagle. What, what are you going to do? Hey, <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, the uh, the 16-year-old OJ was high-fiving the fuck out of the 40-year-old OJ. So, uh, yeah, I mean, man, when we when we reformed, there was no interest in us. Like, people had kind of forgotten pretty fast. We had been gone for about five years since we released our last album with Prosthetic Records. And then... So I thought, well, let's just go ahead and do this for fun. That was the whole reason we got back together anyway, was just to have some fun. We, I didn't expect it to take, uh, take its turn into another career. But it took 10 years of, uh, of putting out our own albums. You know what I mean? Uh, we did two albums. I'm sorry, not 10 years. Two albums uh, of doing independent releases before um record labels started sniffing around so uh you know sometimes it takes a it takes a while the the tortoise beats the hare in in my opinion is there a sense of pressure that comes with like i mean delivering a top quality record on a big label after doing it diy for the past well yeah five years or so yeah i mean there is a sense of pressure but it's not coming from them uh they've been great they haven't put any pressure on us at all even the first couple conversations I had with Brian and Tracy Vera, they let me know that they didn't want us to change anything. They said, you just, you just hand us another Byzantine album. Uh, we are signing you solely based on the strength of the two releases you did independently. So if you have any more gas left in the tank, uh, we'd like to do business with you. And I, I, I assured them that we had plenty gas left in the tank. The, the pressure is, is essentially coming from internal that's that's pretty much it but does that pressure like has it always been there like the anxiety before the excitement yeah type of thing yes the first three albums they were pretty high pressure um you know we we got picked up with prosthetic based off of chris adler's uh recommendation and we were kind of you know following them around playing shows with them and we were seeing what was going on at the uh, the landscape at, in the early 2000s with them and Killswitch and Shazfall and all these bands we were playing with, how they were just blowing up. So we had a, a lot of pressure on ourselves back then. And then, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't do very well. We didn't fare very well on the prosthetic days. I, I thought we put out fantastic records, but we were just kind of a shit show. <laughs> at that time oh man um, was it because of uh youth or was it just like yeah yeah I understand. youth um we we had we were very inexperienced uh as far as playing with that caliber of band you know because we got signed within the first two or three years of us being a being a band so uh we went from just playing smaller venues here in west virginia to going and, and you know playing with Nora and the red cord and and just all these bands that completely whooped their ass every night for three years. And uh, the red cords hard to follow. We, I seen them. Oh, <laughs> I never seen Nora, yeah. unfortunately, but oh, they were just yeah. a great live band. Dude, there. I mean, it was just it was just three years, three or four years of that. You know, going out and just getting our ass handed to us. 
And in our 20s, we internalized it and didn't know how to turn that into a positive. So by the time we got to our third and final album with Prosthetic, we were having so many internal struggles and financial struggles that we thought, eh, fuck it, we'll just hang it up. You know, this, this isn't going to work for us because we saw all the other bands that we were playing with just taking off and it wasn't doing that for us. We felt like the music was great. It just wasn't translating at that time. So I, for five years while we were broken up, I had just, I had this horrible sense of failure. So I've been trying to feed off of that and take, take those feelings and, and put them into the music and make sure that I never feel that way again in regards to this band. So, and I think it's kind of turned into a positive for us now. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Metal Blade, I mean, every, every metal band wants to be on that label. And you have so many great ones, especially live yes. acts, you know, like Black Dahlia, Goat Horde. These live acts are amazing. Cattle Decapitation, right? So what yes. Metal Blade band do you hope to go on a package tour with? <laughs> you named them. You named, named about them all of them. <laughs> Uh, I can tell you what, we're, we're getting ready to do our first full U.S. tour in ever. We've never done a full U.S. tour in our whole career. Wow. We're getting ready to do our first one in September with Metal Blade recording artist Sacred Reich. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be that's going to be bucket list material for us. That's going to be a great audience for you guys, too, though. <laughs> you know that that's going to be excellent. So. I think so, because, you know, uh, my band grew up in that audience. You know, we are we are the generation that listened to Sacred Reich and listened to violence and, and, you know, Gothic Slam and stuff like that. So for us to be able to go out and play in front of these people for the first time, um, I think I think we're hitting we're hitting that period of our career at the right time, because now we're going to show up. And we're going to have six albums deep in our discography. We're not going to be, you know, young kids trying to prove anything. Um, and I feel our music is, even though it's different than the music I grew up listening to, I still think there's a, a, a huge common thread that goes through it. Where say rock fans who don't know us will be able to walk away, hopefully, as Byzantine fans. Excellent, man. So. Um, new record, like we said, is called The Cicada Tree. Uh, why did you ultimately decide to call the record that? Okay, um, this, is a, this is kind of an interesting story. We have, uh, last year, uh, I'm sorry, last summer, we had a phenomenon called the 17-year cicada here in West Virginia. And it's, a, it's kind of a locust that stays underground for 16 years as a pupa. And then it comes up out of, out of the ground for only three months to like uh, turn into an insect and screw as many other cicadas as it can and die. So what? it's, yeah, it's a really weird insect. It's actually the oldest living insect on earth. Um, no other insect lives 17 years. So we had this giant swarm in, in front of my yard under my tree and me and my daughter would go out there and catch them and I'd show her like how to, uh, identify the males from the females so i was struggling mildly with trying to come up with a album title none of the songs fit i couldn't come up with any clever and my girlfriend just playfully suggested hey why don't you call the album the cicada tree and i was like get the fuck out of here. you know what i mean that's <laughs> like you're not helping any well it took me about a week and then it was just like holy crap our band is 17 years old this year we're on Metal Blade. We've been underground for 16 years. Like the parallel was too striking. So I just told the guys, I said, what do you think about naming it the cicada tree? Give them the whole story. And everybody was like, yep, that's it. It, it means something to us. 100%. So it's yeah. so the cicada tree is basically a metaphor for our band's uh, existence. Man, women always know what they're talking about. It does take us a while. They do. Though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not only are they prettier than us, but they're 
it's damn smart. It's great. It's like <laughs> most guys would write off what she said and then just take credit for later. And then you know you ever hear that with the girls like I said that like four <laughs> weeks ago. No, you didn't, honey. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you I, gave her credit, OJ. That's all that matters. I at least told her if anything, even though she doesn't get any royalty check, checks, uh, she will get the credit for naming or or sixth album so <laughs> that's that's great so i uh i have a 19th month year old son his name is uh briscoe county and uh i find it ex- really yeah i name a kid briscoe county it, it's it's <laughs> it's awesome he's it's just the best thing ever but so uh me it is neat yeah so uh so briscoe i find it extremely difficult anytime to miss with him you know and, and i mean i always wonder how does a touring musician you know balance a family life like you recently had a yeah. child correct <clears throat> Yes, we have a uh, we have an eight month old, oh. and her name is actually uh, Ada. We named her after the cicada. Ah. <laughs> so, um, and I also have a a nine year old daughter as well. So I've got two kids. Or uh, everybody in the band uh, except our our new drummer has children. So we're getting ready to experience this uh, pretty much for the first time in our career because we tour so infrequently. It's never been much of an issue, um, but we've got good girlfriends and wives around us that are finally, finally on board, and they get it. So uh, I, it's going to suck, you know. I mean, FaceTime is a godsend that yes. I can look at my daughter across the country and we can talk. Um, but it's a thing that you have to do, and. Uh, like my nine-year-old daughter, she she misses me when we do go out on tour, but she likes to have a happy dad. And if she if I get to do this Byzantine thing, she has that. And uh, I think that's more important than having a, a grumpy dad that's around her the whole time. So, you know, it's and that's it's, a, it's it is what it is. And that's what I was gonna kind of ask, like follow up with that was that you did experience life without being in Byzantine and Byzantine and uh how does that affect your identity as a person when when the band isn't in it doesn't make you grumpy well um personally it it did cause a lot of problems it 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 aided in in uh the the, my first divorce my only divorce but my my wife uh, at the time did not like me touring and doing the band stuff uh I gave it up for them and once we were state, once we were home, I was miserable. Yeah. And I thought, this is no way for me to live. I should be able to have both. You know, it's my life. I should be able to be able to do both. So um, being without the band, it, you know, here in West Virginia, most people uh, outside of heavy metal, they don't even know I'm in a band. You know, they just know me as this contractor that builds bathrooms for a living, you know completely domesticated but in my head it was it was it was pretty shitty because i knew i left all the cards on the table and for selfish stupid reasons so i I can't let that happen again you know ever (laughs) even if even if we don't get any bigger than what we already have got it doesn't matter to me uh as long as i have this outlet uh i think everything's going to be fine that's great to hear. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people have experienced exactly what you're saying, where they had to give mm-hmm. up a certain dream to, uh, you know, uh, domesticate themselves. But yeah, when you're giving up completely in a dream, it's hard to get out of that space. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, the older you get, you have mortgages and you have mm-hmm. um, daycare and and things of that nature that you have to pay for, and you know as well as I do. Heavy metal doesn't necessarily pay all the bills. So sometimes you have to kind of set it aside uh, if you really don't think it has a chance. At that point in my life, we we really didn't know if it had a chance. But at this point, I, you know, the band is self-sufficient. It pays for itself. And we really don't even do a lot of touring or anything. But I, I see how it can work. And how happy it makes everybody in the band. So now it's like hell or high water. Byzantine is going to put out albums. And we're going to do what we need to do. Um, And meeting a lot of the fans around the world now. That tell me how important it is to them. That we continue to do it. 
and they know our history that we're a very domesticated, normal, 40-hour-a-week type of guy. They can relate to that. Completely, yeah. So, And your records do have – they have a continuous kind of growth from one to another. There isn't like a, a huge <clears throat> leap in change or anything like that. Are you conscious of these expressions, or do you just feel – uh, what an album needs to be next in the catalog in your mind? Uh, that's a very good question. I haven't been asked that one yet. <laughs> I, try. Uh, I try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good question. I do not think it's conscious that, uh, that you know, that when we get to the next album, the writing stage, I'm not really thinking of like, okay, this needs to be a continuation. It just kind of happens. And I'm really thankful for that. It's it's something that's I've I've I can look at our discography and see a, a gradual and subtle evolution. Yet from album one to six, you still know it's the same band, mm-hmm. and that's that's been a, a hard feat to do, especially since I'm the only original guy. And uh, you know, normally when you change a whole lineup, you, you're going to have things that sound completely different. And we've been able to hold on to the core values of what we sounded like at first, but just slowly evolve. Um, to me, all the great heavy metal bands at this time do that. You know, uh, Opeth and Mastodon and Gojira, they, they have subtle evolution that they do to where they don't lose their fans. They just <clears throat> add more. Exactly. No, I completely agree. And that's, that's yeah. the way to do it where you're right. If, if Opeth went from, you know, Blackwater Park to Sorceress, the next album, you're right, it would be very jarring for people. Oh, it would be a too too dramatic a shift. Yeah. But for them to be able to go through some of the other albums yep. and introduce stuff slowly, it's been great. Yeah. You know, I mean, you have other bands who don't do that, and we've saw a couple of them release albums this year, mm-hmm. and we see the backlash from that. I'm not going to name names. All it remains. We, we we're allowed to name Lincoln Park, <laughs> Just, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah so, we know I the mean, other band you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm not interested in doing that. Uh, you know, um, I, I don't see that's fruitful for the artist or the fan to do a 180 shift just to say we can do it. You know. <clears throat> yeah, it's very true. So yeah. now kind of a, a question about the region. You are from West Virginia, and um, you have even have written a few songs about the uh, opioid epidemic that's going on out there. Um, how yeah. dire is what you see in your community, and how can outsiders like us help? Oh, man, I don't know if it can help. That's the, that's the scary part. We've, we're so entrenched in the... Um, pharmaceutical problem here it 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 took a good 10 to 15 years probably for everything to take hold here it might take 30 to 40 before it you know uh gets fixed um there's a lot of people around here the the problem is is uh, pharmaceutical companies they know they know where they can target people areas of depression and people losing their jobs, like people around here in the coal industry are doing, uh, you're filled with a lot of depression. And um, if instead of pulling yourself out of that, sometimes people look for other means to escape. And once you take enough oxycotton or oxycodone and you're not prescribed it, you know, it's a, we wrote a song called Soul Eraser on our first album, and that was pretty much about the meth amphetamine problem here. And it's it's a fucking soul eraser, you know. The fifth album we had, we our single was called The Agonies, which is a street term for uh, withdrawing from pain pill addiction. So it's really pervasive around here. There's some I can I can guarantee you I don't know one person in my close circle that doesn't have one family member completely addicted to pain medication. I don't have one friend that I can name that doesn't have one family member here. That's not addicted to pain pills. So, and that's, that's a, that's a sad thing to be able to state. Uh, Very sad. So um, longtime drummer, uh, Matt Wolf, he exited the band uh, last year. 
And just yes. completely forgive me if I'm reporting anything incorrectly, but was did he have? There was rumors that there was maybe some drug issues there. Uh, without touching on anything personal, what did his departure right. do for you and the band? Uh, it was it was horrible. It was a it was a really bad departure. I, I really can't go into the issues that we had because we tried to keep them personal. But I do know that the you know people have speculated that, that might have been an issue. Um, I will say this that it was necessary at that time for Matt Wolf to leave the band and for us to go on without him. And it's taken us a good two years to get back around to where uh, we're bros again. But now everything is is a lot better. We love Matt to death. His uh, contributions are a band can't be overstated. Like he's written some of our best songs, and he's played guitar on some of our songs, and he's our drummer. So he's very important to us. That's one of the reasons why when we released the video for New Ways to Bear Witness, we had Matt do a cameo in it to let all our local fans know that you know it's all right, you know, that he's still a part of the band no matter what. Yeah, that was, no, I saw that. He got hit by a truck, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, <laughs> he had him hit, hit me by a truck. We were trying to find other ways to slow me down to get to the gig, and uh, I was like, hey, maybe maybe we can have somebody hit me with a truck. And then I thought, You came up with the idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I came up with the idea. I, I contacted our videographer. I said, who would, who better to run me over with a vehicle than the drummer we just fired. <laughs> <laughs> it speaks. So we asked Matt and he's like, I will be there. <laughs> you trusted him behind the wheel. That shows everybody out there. You guys are good. Again, trust so. him completely. He, he was behind the wheel for 12 years, uh, you know, running Byzantine songs. So I trust him behind the wheel one more time. <laughs> That's excellent. So our boss, yeah. Vince, huge fan. Um, you know, I've done a lot of interviews at this point and he just like, I got some questions for you. Like he, he added to the show. So it was really cool. But okay. he did uh, coin the catchphrase, uh, nobody beats the biz and it seems to have yes. caught on. Do you ever hear that at concerts? Uh, yes. Ah, he's, I, I know <laughs> I, I he's smiling tell, right now. <laughs> I will tell you right now, it, it has caught on and I guarantee when we go out this summer and we play, uh, on this sacred rock tour, we're doing about 16 shows with them. 14 are in cities we've never even played that. I guarantee we're going to hit here. Nobody beats the biz at all of them. <laughs> He's uh, I, I, I guess we're going to have to trademark that shit and, and give him some coinage. Um, I, I tell you, I tell you what, Pete, we, we're uh, we're uh, printing up shirts that uh, says "Nobody Beats the Biz" in the uh, the Wiz logo. The uh, old <laughs> old. Uh, store from new york <laughs> i i gotta tell you like i can't speak for vince but i'm sure if you guys send him that shirt he will be stoked that's all <laughs> so, we will yeah we will but uh yeah. uh speaking of just uh hobbies on the side man you love playing baseball is that correct yeah yeah i do i did i, I don't play anymore but i definitely love playing baseball so but like what about that game just made sense and spoke to you opposed to like a lot of other sports out there um, I, you know, one, I, I love the idea of, uh, of it being a team sport, mm -hmm. obviously being in the band, a band is a, is a huge team. You know, it's like a marriage between four guys. So, uh, baseball is the same thing. Everybody has the roles you, you know, you have to do your part. Um, but everybody works together at the same time. And the other thing is, is I really like is that you can, play a whole game of baseball and not really have to fucking talk to too many people. Mm. <laughs> I can sit out in the center field and kind of like think about my bills and my life. And then every once in a while they'll hit me a pop up and you know, it's just, it's a fun way to, to relieve some stress. I, I played too for a lot of years. And whenever I think of silence, I know it sounds weird because there are noises. I think of me in like center field and I'm like, that's what I think silence is. Just hearing things yeah. around you, and it's like the most peaceful yep. thing. And then, like you said, when the balls hit your way, it's like no peace at all. But it's it's uh, that's a, that's a that's a good um, that's a good analogy the way you, you broke that down. So, uh, last question for you. I know we had you on the phone for a little bit here, but uh, as a creator of something from nothing, which I think musicians uh, and bands do, uh, when do you truly right. feel satisfied? 
when do I truly feel satisfied? Um, man, that is yet another uh, great question. Uh, I, there's, there's a ton of micro moments that I have that are satisfying. Like when you know you've demoed out a great song from start to finish and you get the goosebumps and you can't wait for your friends to hear the song, even though it just sounds like shit because it's on your computer, you know, those are like super satisfying moments. Um, I can tell you a couple moments I've had recently in the past two albums that I never thought I would have. And these are huge uh, satisfying moments when people contact me that I am big fans of to tell me that they're fans of my band that I, I literally want to call my mom and dad and just be like, Hey, uh, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. Life's great. I, I made a great choice. Yeah. Those are just, just life changing moments uh, that allow me to continue to do this, even though there's really no financial gain. You know, I, I love those satisfying moments. That's 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 great to hear, especially from uh, for us fans, dude. So everybody out there, um, the Cicada Tree is out July 28th. It's their debut on yes. Metal Blade Records. Um, I recommend everybody goes back if you and just revisit two releases to resolve. It was one of the best albums of 2015 before you jump Thank into you. this album. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, they're going to. Um, Byzantine is going on tour. Headlighting dates are starting July 29th. That's Huntington, West Virginia. That's an album release concert, correct? Yes, sir. And then September 14th, full U.S. tour, Sacred Reich. Some people are going to see you guys for the first time. So pay attention to all this stuff, guys. Um, we here at the Metal Sucks Podcast are very grateful to talk to you, OJ. Like I said, our boss. Thank you. Huge fan. And uh, everybody go get those shirts. Wear them, wear them to any uh, any Metal Sucks sponsored event. <laughs> so. Yes. Nobody beats the biz. Nobody beats the biz. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much for calling in, OJ. Thank you, man. Bye.
the Metal Sucks Podcast. from byzantine yay yeah dude that was he was a super cool guy i was i was very happy i got to talk to him again guys the new record the cicada tree cicada fuck <laughs> tree comes out july 28th on metal played records guys you say do, tomato do not miss it the songs you heard if, if those didn't impress you uh first one was uh new ways to bear witness and the second one was trap jaw 
So, guys, check it out. Anyway, so that does it for this week, guys. We want to thank you guys uh, immensely for the last week. We know we did an episode and a half, but um, just a lot of good feedback, a lot of positive shit came from those two and uh, all that stuff. So until we see you guys next week, man, Metal Sucks Podcast. Bye-bye. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. Make sure to tune into Mike Herrera's podcast, The Mike Herrera Hour, where he features and interviews writers, entrepreneurs, and mostly musicians. Listen to him live every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific on IDOBI Radio. You can also catch the Mike Herrera Hour on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and JabberJawMedia.com. For more information on the Mike Herrera Hour, go to MikeHerrera.net. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.